0: Uh, let's declare the word of understanding as we start to study. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I am being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Yeah, that is good. Does it not feel good? Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. You know, you are clearing your heart for the word to enter. So I prophesy to you that that word will enter this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord will answer your question. Say that the Lord will answer my questions. Answer my Say it again. Questions. The Lord will answer my questions. It will make things clear to me. Now David will pray in Psalm 119. Don't miss from Tuesday. We're going to start praying from Psalm 119. Very powerful prayer. David always used to ask, give me understanding and I shall live. That is my confusion right now. The death in my life is because of what? Lack of understanding. So today the word will be clear to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, the book of Revelations. That's one we have been um, trying to get to for some time. Last time we finally got to it as we began to look at the message of the Lord Jesus to His church. There is something that the Lord Jesus wants His church to know. And I want us to continue by reading again from that book of Revelations. We are going to start this time because we have read it a number of times. I'll just go straight to the area where we um, require Let's start from the end of chapter 1, and we'll read into chapter 2, and then we'll find somewhere to stop. Probably read two of the letters today, or three. We read one last time. Let's start from verse, um, uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Now John saw the vision of the Lord Jesus, which is described from verse um, 13 down to verse 16. He now said in Azzardine, verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As of the mystery of the seven stars which he saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. He said, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, the Lord said, Write. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary but I have this and those are the advantages, those are the things that they are doing that are correct, he said but I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen. And repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place. Or I am going to close your church unless you repent. He said, yet these you do have. That you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Which I also hate. He said, he who has an ear. Let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, amongst these people that have an ear, that's what he was saying, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Let me just read another few, uh, five verses or so, or four verses, and let just add this to it. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, But you are rich. People say you are poor, but actually you are rich. You think you are poor, but actually you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He said to them in verse 10 Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. And I said in verse 11, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Now please, I want to just read one verse in New Living Translation, in that um, chapter 2, in um, in verse um, 5. He said, look how far you have fallen. Okay, let me start from verse 4, sorry. I want to read from verse 4 in New Living Translation. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. That is, the love is shown by certain works. It's not just love in the heart, but there were works that they were doing which showed that they loved the Lord and they loved each other. Those are the things that he said they needed to return to because they had abandoned those things. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right. Now, we have been looking at this issue of the, uh, the letters, uh, the message that Jesus has for his church. And we are taking this from the book of Revelations, the letters to the seven churches from that book of Revelations. Now, when we began to look, we looked at um, the fact that, reading from First Corinthians chapter 11, that this is how it is with Christians. We must judge ourselves. Let's never forget it. There are three levels we have looked at. One, there's a first level of we examining ourselves, judging ourselves so that the law would not have to judge us. So what's the first level is that I take my life, I examine my life, I critically appraise my life, even with prayer. Because sometimes the Bible says that a man's ways may look right in his own eyes. A man can deceive himself. He said, deluding your own selves. James was saying, be doers of the word, not hearers only. It's possible to hear and deceive yourself. Okay? So that's why you need to pray. So David taught us to pray. That one is Psalm 139. He said, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, and check whether there is any hurtful thing inside me. So, it's a critical thing that every Christian must do again and again. We must settle down, and like I said last time, make it a yearly thing, okay? Sometimes people are praying. They say, this year, my year will break through. Listen, some of those prayers are unnecessary. See, we have to be careful to follow what the Lord Jesus says, Says all right? And it says clearly. When he says that, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added, He meant it like that. What he's saying is that if something is not added, you are not seeking the right things. That's what he's saying. This idea of sitting up all night praying because you want something is not a godly way of praying. We have learned the way to pray like Gentiles. Jesus warned us against it. He said, when you come to pray and you're always hammering on what you need, what you want, what you want God to do for you, he said, you are praying the way Gentiles pray. He said, how should you pray? You should pray on making sure that the kingdom of God is established in your life around you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. What I'm going to say, that is, we are to seek first the kingdom of God. How do we do that, first of all, in our own personal lives? And we do that by examining ourselves. So, at the beginning of the year, you can say, that. let me appraise my life last year. How well did I do in my God-likeness, in my Christianity? How well did I do? Not financially. You cannot judge your life the way the world judges itself. You cannot judge how much progress you have made. I, I, I give an example as a church. You cannot judge whether you have made progress or not by how much your membership has increased. That is how people derail themselves from following God. When they start judging themselves using wrong parameters, last year we were 200 in number, this year we are 1,000, it shows we are growing. It doesn't mean you are growing. Like one of my friends would say, don't ever forget, cancer is also a growth. Are you getting my point? Yes, it's a growth, it's a growth. <laughs> so you, many people are growing in a disorderly fashion. Okay, So that doesn't mean you are growing. As a ministry, there is a way you will check how well you are doing. I'm not discussing that in details now, okay? But just bear it in mind. There's a way you check your life, but you must do it periodically. Like I said, as a businessman, let me just give us as as an example. How do I check how well I'm doing? It is not that I'm, I'm making more money now than I did last time. No, that is not it. That can be important, okay, but it's at the bottom of the line for us Christians. First of all, we check how well do we serve our customers. When they review us, what kind of reviews do they give us? When we make promises, how quickly do we, how well do we satisfy those promises? How well do we fulfill promises we have made? Yes, we use money because for business people, money is a measure of the transactions you have done. That has to be at the bottom of the line. Okay, so that if you have made a hundred million where you used to make twenty million, yet you now have a bad name in town, you have done bad business. How do I know? The Bible says a good name is better than money. You see what I'm trying to say here. But the point I'm making is that Christians we must appraise ourselves regularly. And if you're an academic, I mean, as a student, do it. If you're working for government, do it. If you're in a ministry, do it. You're a wife, do it. You're a husband, do it. I praise your life regularly. Why? Because if you don't do that, Jesus will do it. Did you hear know what I said? Yes. And when he does it, he does it in a very, very bad way. Bad in quote. <laughs> bad in quote. In that case, he starts disciplining you. For example, you're a businessman, you will start losing money needlessly. You start having problems in business you're not supposed to have. Why? Not because it's wicked, but because he's trying to call your attention. It's trying to call you, listen. What you are doing is not right. So that is the easiest way to learn as a believer is to fill yourself with the word of God. Use those words to pray and use it to check yourself regularly. Do it annually, every quarter. My emphasis again, your prayer is not prayer of, God, where are you? Where's my, where's my breakthrough not come? Please don't miss our Bible study beginning on Tuesday. We want to look at Psalm 119 and you will now see how David used to pray. David said, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. The next line now says, Now, I have confessed or declared my own ways. Are you getting my point? He now says, Give me understanding so that I can live. That is What was he trying to say? Listen, my soul clings to the dust because I cleaves to my own ways. So God, revive me according to your promise. And God said to him, in effect, As long as you are walking the way you are walking, I cannot revive you according to that promise. That promise is activated by you changing the way you are doing things. So you ask God, give me understanding. Please be around on Tuesday. Let's see how Christians are supposed to pray. This fighting of enemies, you now I've told you, is a waste of godly time. It's a waste of godly time. I've, also, I've gotten to it again. We have to help people. Listen, I've been a Christian for a very long time. And I've been preaching for. And as I preach as a student, okay, so that means I've been preaching off and on for close to 30 years now. That's interesting, okay? Close to 30. But constantly for... And we came to Enugu. This ministry began. That was 2002, thereabout. And I've been doing this for some time. I have never prayed and said all oh, my enemies. It has never happened. Not one time. I'm not dead yet. I'm making progress, trust me. You may not believe it, but I know. So you are wasting your time chasing your enemies. You are wasting your time. God is not afraid of them. You shouldn't be afraid of them. i praise Please, Tuesday. Make sure you don't miss the Bible. Uh, our prayer meeting beginning from Tuesday. I want to start teaching the prayer from Psalm one one nine. Let's not. Let, I don't. Let me not sit on it again. We must appraise ourselves. It's something that we must do. Self-appraisal periodically. You can't use any other standard to judge yourself. It must be judging yourself with God's word. Very important. It is not what your society says that matters. It is what God says. I said, if we don't do it, God will have to beat us forcefully back into order. And that's one thing we don't want. The correction of God is grievous. That's what the Bible teaches us. So it's so as to prevent it. When Christians go through trials and temptations, it is always, listen to me, there are two things. One is, either, no, let me, there's no two things, just one thing. It is always for correction and for training. I was going to say that, first of all, maybe because of their iniquity, but even then, God is trying to correct them. No matter how trivial it is. Anytime you have issues in life, always bow your head and say, Lord, what's going on? It's been a wrong doctrine and an unfortunate thing that we have taught ourselves in Christianity, that the devil is our problem. The devil has never been our problem. We'll see, we'll get to it today. You'll find out that Jesus said that you are going to have tribulation for 10 days. Listen, every trial, has a time limit from the beginning. That devil and Jesus said that the devil will cast you into prison. You will have tribulation for ten days. We read it just now, but the devil could not keep them for more than the ten days. Every trial is number. The number of days from the beginning it has been inscribed. What he now said he said: Be faithful until the trial is over. It will end. It will end. It will end. It doesn't stay forever. Forget, oh God, Christians have been wrongly taught. Pursuing enemies all over the place. The devil. The people that say I will not prosper, they, are, they don't exist. You see this rubbish? Altar versus altar prayer. Please stop it. Now that you have entered here today, you must never leave here Print that nonsense prayer again. Think people have your time in life? It's all the problems they have. <laughs> people have their own problems, oh. Okay, let me ask you a question. How many altars have you built against anybody? Is it only the one that your personal lied to you that you should go and build? Up until until time you went to that church, did you ever erect any altar against anybody? Listen, your neighbors are like you too, they have their own issues. Your neighbors are like you too, they have their own problems. It's pastors that get up and corrupt the system and start inciting one man against another. Say so you need to build an altar because there are people that don't want you to succeed. Aren't nonsense, rubbish, crap, insult on the Lord Jesus. He said, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He doesn't care. The time Christians are supposed to use for self-appraisal, <laughs> they're using it to pursue imaginary enemies manufactured by pastors. Have you noticed that apostle? The pastors manufacture the enemies. The, they do. They are the ones that manufacture the enemies. My friend, you know, I've told this story many times. His sister came to their place. They live in the U.S. to come and deliver. So the elder sister said, come, let me take you to a pastor to go and pray. He told me, say, bank, see trouble? When this girl arrived in America, she just came to deliver her baby. He said, after visiting that pastor, she's now suspicious of every uncle and every auntie. Why? Because the prayer involved anything that any auntie gave you to eat. Anything that any uncle says you should eat, begin to vomit it. We cast it out. We vomit it in the name of Jesus. By fire, by fire. Holy Ghost, fire. My friend said, he's a believer. He said, when she arrived, it was just normal. Look, my wife was going to deliver. When I finished praying for her, because then she used to go and stay with her mother, all right? I dropped her off with her mom, and I came back to Enugu. So before I left, I said, let us pray. We sat in front of the house. (laughs) When I finished praying, my wife said, is that, is that all? I said, yes. He said, you pray in a funny way. I said, what else do you want? It's not safe delivery. It's guaranteed. Don't worry. What was the prayer? I told her to bow her head. her head, And then we held hands on the table. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I give thanks for the word. Quote one or two scriptures. I said, where many people go and they don't return. I told her, I said, you, you will go there and you will come back safely in Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer did not last two minutes. I took my keys, time to go. She said, ah, Is that all? I said, What more do you want? No be safe delivery. What else do you want? She just smiled. She said, You pray funny. She's used to it now. This was years ago. What many people expect is that you begin to pray. Anywhere they tied the altar, I fly. <laughs> I jam them. (laughs) I go to your village. And I say to them, die, die, die. Listen to me. Anyone who hangs himself because my wife is pregnant, you will remain hanging for a long time. (laughs) Trust me. You are going to be hanging for a very long time. You are going to be there for a very long time. And if I find out, I say, God, don't let him come down. (laughs) I won't jam you. Why should I jam you? I don't have your time. I have work to do for goodness sake. I was telling you just now that, man, there's a place I, was, I preached yesterday. I was supposed to preach there tomorrow. So initially I thought it would be yesterday, today and tomorrow. So when the pastor said, okay, yesterday and today, yesterday and tomorrow, I was telling you just now, I said I was happy that because as I yesterday night, I was tired. Do you think I have time to jam anybody? <laughs> That's the I'm making. I'm too tired to jam you. I need to sleep. This idea of sitting up at night, fighting those, look, believe me, when you get back home, that rubbish altar you have there, go and throw it away. It's a waste of time. Your pastor manufactured an unnecessary battle for you. You know what God brought you here today? He wants, he wants liberty for you. He's been still feeling sorry for you. Last one you've been praying, God said, um, Gabriel, Michael, what do you do for this young woman? What do you do for this young man or old man or old woman?" Gabriel said, we can't do anything. My girl said, he said, fight. Which fight should I fight? The only problem he has is ignorance. So the Lord now said to Gabriel, Move two angels, tell him to go and listen to ba- Banky this evening. That's why you are here. One year of useless prayer. You say you never tire. When you get back home, destroy the altar. <laughs> destroy, it. destroy it. Destroy it. My friend said that day, he said, Banky. By the time this girl was done, she had become fearful. He said, are prayer supposed to make you fearful or to give you liberty? You're, you come back out of prayer. You are looking over your shoulders, left, right, and center. Listen to me. Oh. In, Christ Jesus we are free, oh? in Christ Jesus, we are free. In Christ Jesus, we are free. In Christ Jesus, we are free. We are seated in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. We are seated in Christ. Our protection is in Christ. Our defense is in Christ. The only problem we have as believers is when we don't walk the way Christ wants. That's all. That's the only problem believers have. That is the only problem believers have. That is the only problem believers have. There is no other problem. It's when we are not walking according to how Christ says we should walk. That's why we declare at the beginning here. That I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. That's where our life is going. So that constantly we are walking in a manner worthy of him to please him in all respects. That's the only problem believers have. When we are not walking in a manner that is worthy of Christ. There's no other problem that we have. We we'll see how we go. So that's what we are looking at. We're looking at this. We are taking an example from these uh, revelations because we see there that Jesus actually watches everything that we do. He does. He does. I said it last time. He's concerned about how you, as a man, a married man as an example, He's concerned about how you talk to your wife in the morning, how you handle your children, how you handle your money. He's concerned. To the woman too, he, listen, he has a good record. He's watching all of you. He's watching all of us. You know, the other day, after I started teaching along this line and explained that Jesus is our judge, you know I became careful. There are times I'm sitting and I'm suddenly wondering which part of the room he's sitting in. The fact is that he's that close. He watches us very closely. And he has something to say about everything you do. We discussed it last time. How you spend your money. He, he doesn't look. He looks. He says, look, this expenditure is good. I like it. This one, I don't like it. Don't do it like this next time. That's how detailed about our lives his concerned. Apostle community, let's digress more. When you do your financial accounting, and you tell him, say, God, I have given you 10%. You will protect me. He gets angry. Say, this stupid boy has come again. Do I look like a mafia don? When did did you and I start doing deals? You want to give me any percentage? First, I don't collect percentage if it's less than 100. Yeah, that's Jesus for you. So I don't take any percentage less than 100. It must be completely round, everything. That is what I collect. Say Lord, so what am I going to eat? He said, what you are eating is my own. Yeah, that's it. What you are eating is my own. So he cannot tell me I've given you a proportion, so I should rest. That's what he's saying to you when he's when he's watching your account book. He said, No. He said, Lord, I have given you this. He said, So who are you giving the rest to? That's the question. When you tell him I have given you this percentage, so he asks you a simple question: Who are you giving the rest to? The way I like to illustrate it, I went between my chief and I, those when I was still a resident in Lagos. We sat down in the department, and they were talking about ministers driving Mercedes-Benz cars those days. Why should a preacher drive a Mercedes-Benz? Now, just by the way, there is nothing good or bad about it. You know why Mercedes-Benz, a, a preacher would drive a Mercedes-Benz? If he has his money, he can buy it, and he can fuel it and maintain it. Once it's not disturbing you with it. That's that just by the way, all right? It's not a good thing. It's not this is a car. What did that? A preacher should have a good car. There's nothing like that. If he's going somewhere, he needs a car. If he's not going anywhere, he needs bathroom slippers for inside his house. Yes. That is all. <laughs> there's nothing more than that. Let's get some things clear. So that day, my chief and I were talking. At that point in time, she happened to be driving the Mercedes-Benz. So I came to the defense of the preachers. I said, but my chief, you are driving a Mercedes-Benz? And you know what She said, They are servants of God. (laughs) He said they are working for God. So I said, But ma, who are you working for? I I, you know, you box a Christian into a corner. He said, I'm working for myself. I said, La, you are not working for yourself. It is not allowed. Listen, Christians, you are not working for yourself. It's not allowed. You are working for God. Let's get that clear. Back to what I'm saying. You can't tell the Lord Jesus, I have given you a portion. So he's asking you, who is the rest for? Listen to me. He doesn't take 10%. You know what he takes? 100%. How much? 100%. 100. You know what that means? Every night you spent, you have to account to him how you spent his money. These days, when I'm judging myself, I'll say that's a bad use of the Lord's time. I don't say of my time because I don't have any time sometimes I think about it, I say this time is, it the, is the Lord happy with this the way I'm using his time because whatever I'm doing it is his time it's not mine it's not mine So Christians, please stop that you cannot say this is the lost portion of my money there's nothing like that. Once you say that he rejects every bit of it like Oswald Chambers said is that Lord of all or is not Lord? At all. So the Lord does not take 99% of your money. It's not complete. It has to be what? 100. And how can He do that? You account for how you spend every bit of it. That's what it means. If He said, This one is for my future, He said, Did I not tell you, don't lay up treasure on the earth for your future? Are you getting my point here? I'm not, I don't want to talk about money now again, all right? But we have talked about it. You can read my book, How to Work for God. Grace to prosper. I discussed it inside there. God now says, sufficient unto the day is what? So the money I have given you today, let me see how you use it to solve all the problems I have sent to you today. Christians are supposed to learn proper apportioning of resources. That's what Christians learn. Proper apportioning of resources. You can't pay off God with any percentage and say you own the rest. It is not Christianity. It is not allowed. Everything you do, he is watching. Let us assume it's okay. All right. He said, Lord, I get your point. I get your point. But I want to give this percentage to my church. You know what he does? He nods. He very good. Why? Because they have to pay staff there. They have to pay the ministers. They have to pay utilities. They have to print. They have to advance the gospel. This is my portion. You know, the Lord said, very good. What about this other portion? Yes, this one, you know, I have responsibilities in this home it, to take care of my wife, my children, this other person I'm helping. You know what the Lord says? Very good. You are, do, you are running all of these errands for me. In case you do not know, those children are not yours. They are his own. Oh, they are not your own. Oh, they are not your own. How can they be your own? They belong to who? They belong to God. There are young men and women sent into your home for training in righteousness. Human beings don't have any good instinct in them more than to suck breast when they are born. Everything, they have to be trained. Otherwise, they will do it wrongly. They are inherently selfish. Are you getting my point? Yeah, they are selfish. That's how they are. You and I, we're born like that. Listen, we don't like to share. We're born without the desire to share. So we come into the home... So the mother would now say, that's enough. Give to your younger one. You are learning to share. Once one of my little kids said he was saving money, I said, for what? You know, we had a good talk. For what? He said, "Uh, maybe help with my school fees. (laughs) 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 My wife and I would laugh at certain things. Do you know how much you pay for your school fees? So after a long time, I said, all right, what are we going to do? At the end of the year, he finally agreed that he will take his money and go and give to the less privileged. So he's going to save for a whole year and give it out in December. Good. It's training. Are you getting my point? It's training. Left to children, everything you eat must be sweet. But you're trained that food is not like that. And that's why God sent those children into your home. They are not your own. They belong to him. So, when you're handing them realize that you are on assignment, not I'm raising children that will carry my name forward, you don't have a name. Don't be stupid. You don't have a name. <laughs> you don't have a name. They are God's children. They were not sent to carry your name. God doesn't give you a hoot about your name. It's know interesting part? God doesn't care about the name of Abraham, the name of Isaac, and the name of Jacob. He cares only about one name. What is that name? What is that name? I didn't hear you well enough. Jesus. He cares only about one name. This morning I was getting angry again. My wife said, I was asking my wife, I said, what kind of thing is this? Why do Christians talk and behave as if God is more interested in any other thing apart from Christ? He said, God will never break a covenant he made with Israel. I said, but he will break the one he made with the church. So once somebody disagrees with Israel, he goes out of political relevance. But when he disagrees with the church, he stays in political relevance. This man was just getting angry again. God cares about one name. What is that name? Jesus. Jesus. And that is said, he has sworn that every knee we bow at the mention of the name of Jesus. That's what he cares about. So the children are not being raised to carry your name. Your name is not important. There are men and women of God sent into your house for training. There are things you pass through. As a young man, there are mistakes you make. There are children that are not allowed to backslide. Maybe you gave your life to Christ when you were 30, after being a a Jaguda for 30 years. You know what God has said concerning your children? There's nothing like that. These ones, they will not be Jaguda for one minute. From the time they are small, they will be good boys and good girls. They will make the small mistakes of children, then you will discipline them for me. You will train them in righteousness from the time they are small. They will grow up fearing me. When you say, give, you know people say that, when people give your life to Christ. Go and ask the devil Shakarian. He doesn't know the meaning. Go and read the story of the Shakarian. He doesn't know the meaning of giving your life to Christ. He has, his life has been in Christ. His father gave it to God before. The <laughs> Shakarian never answered an altar call. The last altar calls he answered were to serve God. As Mother is a Christian, the boy was, he grew up being a believer. Of course, along the line, he must have agreed with the judgment of his father. After all, after all, Kim Kardashian is his cousin. Oh, yes. Those families all came from Armenia. Kim Kardashian, with all the madness in the family. You know, when pe- Satan has possessed people, it's easy to know. They are cousins. So I'm not saying that they didn't have a choice. Something went wrong somewhere with those people. I don't know what went wrong. But in his own case, he's been serving God since he was a little boy. And that's what God wants with your own children. So I don't want anybody to tell me that I gave my life to Christ at 25. He for what? I want you to, do your life, by the time you wake up, your life is with me. How will that happen? I want to make sure that I train your father and your mother. From the time you are small, they are teaching you the word of God. The word of God is a standard in your home. So you see, those children, they are not yours. That's the point I'm making. They belong to him. They are instruments that he wants to use. Can't you see how he did with Jesus and with John the Baptist? Who John has, the, the father of John has said that this priesthood must not disappear. John, I'm committing to you the priesthood lineage of this family. God will dumb him again. Are you getting my point? <laughs> you know, he was dumb at the time. Yes. The Lord will return and cook, this time around, remove his throat. Cuckoo collect it, twist the thing, break it. He will never talk again. They need, he said, a body that has prepared for me. So what happened? They said, We need somebody to be a foreigner, somebody who's coming with the spirit and power of Elijah. Alright, good. Go ahead and prepare me a vessel that will carry that child. And that's how God chose Zachariah and Elizabeth. So by the time the announcement was being given, that child was not their own. That child was not their own. (laughs) That was a servant of God being sent. That was a servant of God being sent. It was never their own. When Moses was being sent, the same thing. The Bible says that they saw he was a beautiful child. Now, you must know how to decode scripture. When the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that they hid him because a beautiful child You know what that means? Let me just summarize it for you. It means an angel also appeared to him, to them, the way an angel appeared to Manuel, the father of Samson. The way an angel appeared to uh, uh, Zechariah, and also, you may not realize it, also to Elizabeth. The Bible did not tell us about that one of Elizabeth. An angel appeared to these people. That was how come the father of Moses, the mother of Moses knew he was a beautiful child. And when they saw what God was doing in their lives, they knew that this was true. So Moses was raised with the knowledge from the beginning. Oh boy, you are not anyhow. You are not anyhow. I'm sending you back to the house of Pharaoh because God had arranged for you to live there. Don't let it get into your head that you're a prince of Egypt. You're a prince of God. Do you get my point? Moses would say, yes. Mommy, I get it. Daddy, I get it. They planted words in his heart that the boy was not settled in that palace. Because he was not their own. He belonged to God. Believers, that's how we reason. So, what, how, when we're handing our children, we don't look at it and say, hey, you know, I want a child that will carry on my chieftaincy title. God said, this is the, that chieftaincy. When they give it to your great, great, great grandfather, it put a cap on their destiny. If you carry it, that cap remains on you. Some people don't know. They'll, know, they'll just wake up, they'll just throw you. Listen, don't accept things you don't know where it began from. So this chieftain's title has been our family for generations. If anyone is in Christ, it's a new creature, All chieftain's titles have passed away. You know, people, Christians don't understand. You know, some of them talk about ancestral curses, they don't understand life. Christianity, look, I, I can see God is moving in the land now, He's re- redirecting us to true Christianity. Listen, let me tell you where we are going. We are back to the time, we are moving into it now. When people start feeling bad when their children give their lives to Christ, only those who knew Jesus will not feel bad. Because you know why people don't complain anymore? Because nothing changes. The boy just starts going to church. The only thing they see that's different is that he looks more morally straight. But now he has the same value system, the same standards that everybody has in the family. So they are okay with Christianity. That is not true Christianity. It's called lukewarm Christianity. Listen, the Christianity that bested these big denominations you see in Nigeria today was not like that. that. That was the Christianity that made families reject people. That's what, that, that was what bested the deeper lives and the redeemed that you know today. That's how they began. The Christianity that made the family wonder whether you've gone mental. These are that they are all happy, say he's not going to church. Yet he has the same standards as everybody else. That's, that's Luke 1 Christianity. That is the reason why we need comedians to drag people to church. That's how we beg people to come. Go and read the story of the book of Acts. Those men gathered, the Bible says that every man was afraid of them. I mean, if Ananias and Sapphira dies, you hear the story, you will go to that church. <laughs> no, that is the Christianity, not the Christianity. Of, forget that. Look, believe me, we are going back to that, that Christianity. Well, no, we are going back to it. We're going back to it. Believe me, I you the I'm giving you the mind of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, I'm tired of what you guys have now. He said, What he said, everyone that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Remember, we have been emphasizing that. That whatever you are seeing me talk about here, it applies to every believer that reads these letters. What does that mean? Luke one Christianity is about to be vomited out of God's mouth. Look, we don't have time to explain some things. Many of the things we will cry about is Jesus tired of Christianity in some areas. I'm telling you, many of the things you will cry about. He said, eh, you know, this is Islamists. They God said, Listen, you can make your noise about it. But I don't like their Christianity, so I'll make Islamists throw them out. And that's what Jesus said. So said, if you don't repent and do the works you do that first, I'm coming to remove your candlesticks. I will remove it from there and go and check history has told us many times he replaces them with Islam. That is why UK is Islamic today. As more than 15 years ago, when I heard David Post and Peter that message, more than 15 years ago, at that time the number of practicing Muslims and practicing Christians in the UK was equal. 2 million each. Did you hear that? As more at more over 15 years ago, the number of practicing Muslims and practicing Christians in the UK were two million each. Over 15 years ago. Why? That's why you now hear the story. I mean, the number of churches that are closed is even from. I was reading the other day, over 20,000 churches shut down in the UK over a period of like a decade or two. Many of them bought by Muslims. The Arabs will send all money in there and buy it. The Kuwaitis will send all money there buy Qataris will send all money. Saudis, when their people were moving in droves down to um, Germany, the king of Saudi, that did not let them come into his country, came there and gave them money to build 50 mosques. Those who have spiritual eyes know what is going on. God looked at it and said, I am tired of your Christianity. I'm taking your candlestick away from you. Back to what I was saying. So the Lord Jesus is concerned about how you raise your children, what you tell them, what you don't tell them. When you tell your children, be careful of our neighbors. They are witches. He's angry with you. That you are breeding children that fear. One of the things that the Lord never allowed in my home is for people to use something in the dark to scare my children. They never had it. They grew up not knowing there's something in the dark. Ojuju will come and catch you. These children, they eat Ojuju. Are you getting my point? (laughs) No, it's true. Ask my son, Victory, for his name. He'll give you a sentence. Say, I want to hear your full name. His mother reminds him once in a while. This is your full name. Victory over the devil, over death. Over destruction, over sickness, over poverty, over all the works of the devil. In summary, victory. Do you understand? Yes. <laughs> what am I saying? What you tell your children it matters to Jesus. I'm trying to emphasize, he writes them down. And he's telling you, appraise yourself periodically. Check what I'm saying about these things. Because I have something to say about everything. They are not your children, they are my servants. I've just sent them into your home for training. And should be able to brag like Jesus. That all the ones you gave me, I did not lose any. I hope you're getting my point here. Yes, if you see like that, we treat these kids differently. How you spend your money, like I was saying, Jesus cares about it. And he has something to say. And he says, this area, I don't like it. This area, this is very good. This thing you did, that is good. Never stop doing it. Teach other people to do it. This one is my time. You waste it. There are people that the Lord said, uninstall Facebook from your phone. There are people. Yes. There are <laughs> I don't have time to be giving you. There are testimonies I don't want to give on the pulpit because people might misinterpret because they are personal things. It's not that I'm ashamed to say just that you can, you can use it to prove a wrong doctrine. There are things that are pretty about before Lord. What do you think about this? And supernaturally answered within 12 hours. Let me give an example. <laughs> okay, very good. Let me tell somebody else's story. I and mean, this story is good. Bishop, where are you? <laughs> Bishop, one day, said he was angry. He was driving to his bus. The he used to walk with that time. To go and either talk to the man about something on the road. So in the, the car fills with smoke. Did you hear that? You're driving a car. And suddenly smoke started coming from everywhere. So what do you do? You park. You come down. Open the engine looking for where the fire is. You didn't see where the fire is coming from. Well, after some time, the smoke went down, so you went back home, called the mechanic. The mechanic spent the whole day looking for it. He didn't know where the smoke came from. If you have spiritual eyes, you know that the Lord said, "Don't go there." <coughs> so, an angel that just bought cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> blew it into your car. <laughs> I know the angel is telling you. Look, this one is a Rothmas. Next time, <laughs> <laughs> next time is tear gas. <laughs> if I see you there again, tear gas. Now I go use it next time. Say he learned his lesson. I want us to understand the Lord is care, is concerned about the fine details of our lives. Is that concerned? Is concerned about the length of your skirt. God sees my heart. I'm not joking. No, just pray about it sometimes. In fact, <laughs> no, the person told a story about one man that he used to like to go to movies all the time. So he became a believer. So he started praying. He said, Anytime he's going to the movies. So he came to Poston and said, I don't know. I like going to movies. You think I should keep on going? So Poston said, There's no problem. Next time you are going, take Jesus with you. The man was going to the movies next time. So he got to the place, two tickets. So the lady attendant said, You have somebody with you? Because it was only one person. For which movie? This one? Yes. Two tickets. Somebody with you? He said, Yes. So where's the person? It's my money. None of your business. Just give me two tickets. Let's make a long story short. You know the way Oyembo can behave sometimes. The lady was like, You don't need two tickets. Ah. So she actually, I think the manager overheard the argument and said, What is it? He said, This young man wants two tickets and he's alone. So the manager said, "Well, we can't refuse this his money, so give him two tickets." So the guy bought two. T- I think he told them that one is for Jesus, one is for him. And you know, you start wondering about the guy's mental state. <laughs> is he hallucinating? So the guy bought two tickets and he told the Lord to come. So to the Lord, "That's your seat." So he and the Lord sat down on two seats, one for him, one for the Lord. After a while, he got so uncomfortable. He realized that Jesus was not enjoying the movie, so he told the Lord, "Let us go." So they got up and left, and that was the last. So he went back and told Paul and said, "Jesus came with me last time, and he didn't like the film." <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. I, I want believers to know that the Lord is close. You see, sometimes when they see some things, some things is a habit. I am finding it hard to break. You don't realize Jesus is close. If you knew He was close. There are habits that will leave you yesterday, not tomorrow. Yesterday, as you are thinking about, it, you realize that you stopped it yesterday. You just realize that you stopped it yesterday. Say, so I can't stop smoking. There's no problem. Next time you buy, buy two. Light one and tell you, "Hold on, let me light it for you." Believe me, you will stop smoking. <laughs> I mean, um, Mary Kay Ash told the story of her husband who could not stop smoking. He couldn't stop smoking. He went for therapy, went for rehab, did everything. He, could, she, 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 he couldn't stop smoking. And then one day, he, she was reading the magazine and saw an article on the dangers of secondhand smoking. How your smoking not only hurts you, hurts the people that you love. And she knew that this my husband always reads whatever I read. So she left it where he will see it. The man read it and never smoked again. Because he suddenly realized I'm not hurting. Look, love is very powerful. He suddenly realized I'm not only hurting myself, I'm hurting my wife. The drive he needed to stop smoking came to him. Boom! All of a sudden. Just to complete the story, in that situation it was too late. Because by that time, cancer of the lungs had set in. But he did not diagnose it until two years later and then he died suddenly. What am I explaining? The Lord Jesus is very close to us. He is. You can lie to people. He doesn't even need you to lie to him. He's not even asking you. He knows. When he asked Adam, where are thou?" He wanted Adam to know where he was. He was not in doubt. No, 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 he wasn't in doubt. He knew where Adam was. He knew where Adam was. He just said, Adam, where are you? Because Adam did not give his address. Did you notice that? Adam began to tell stories. We heard the sound of your voice, uh, of your footsteps, and we came to hide ourselves. Jesus said, what is the hiding about? We are naked. What's the next question? Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? That is what you are operating by in life depends on what somebody tells you. Let's not talk about that now. So the Lord Jesus is that close to us. That's the point we are making. I will be looking at that. So we are saying that, listen, we said this one last time, there are areas where we are very good and there's no problem with that. Anywhere your life, you know, is in agreement with God's word, it's very good. Young man came to me once, he said, Sir, there's a problem. I said, What is the problem? He said, These days when I give people money, I feel very happy. So I said, What is the problem with that? He said, He doesn't know, is it right? You give, you give an offering, you dash somebody money, you feel happy? He said, Yes. I asked him a number of questions. I said, Do you brag about it in prayer when you are praying? He said, No. Do you tell anybody about it so as to you know, show off? He said, No. All that happens is that when you give now, you are happy. He said, yes. I said, congratulations, now you are a Christian. (laughs) I shook his hand I said, very good. I said, now you are saved. Now you are a true believer. That you can give and be joyful. You know, you are like Jesus now. Ah, that is good. So there are parts of our lives in which we are doing what is good. And in those areas, the Lord Jesus said what? Continue. Intensify it. Increase it. Now, there are areas, like we have been saying, in which he says, no, that is not all right. And what he says is that you must repent. Now, he gives time to repent. The fact that nothing has gone wrong in that area for the last few years does not mean he's not noticing. It's just his habit to give time to repent. And he says that if you don't repent, I will have to step in and discipline you. And that's what we are trying to avoid as believers as we are doing a lot of this teaching. Okay? That, you know, so that he won't have to take it upon himself to, uh, upon himself to flog us into, you know, proper behavior. So last time we began to look at that church in Ephesus, a number of things we saw looking at it. You notice their hard work, how they've been diligent. I know your deeds, you said in verse 2, and your toil and perseverance, and how you cannot tolerate evil men. We said it last time. We are held responsible for what we tolerate. We'll see later. There was a church that tolerated Jezebel, and they were going to be judged for it. And listen, a believer has a right to be intolerant. You know, In the Western world, they try to paint Christians as if they are bad people, because they can't accept other people's opinion, they can't let other people live. Let me tell you the truth, in Christianity, there's a path for it, in which you don't tolerate other things, especially amongst believers. That is, you say, are you judging? People say, you have no right to judge, Please. Don't get that scripture wrong when it say judge not, you will not be judged. Don't get because if that was it, then Jesus was wrong every day. Paul was wrong every day. When it says judge not. You did not use to sit down and judge the Pharisees, say see the Pharisees, don't mind them, they are hypocrites. You did not use to say that? He did he not say why did he not say judge not? I will not say anybody is a hypocrite so you don't know what's inside their heart. You didn't notice that? He never said that. He said, they Don't mind those people. He said they are wolves in sheep clothing. Don't mind them. Hypocrites. And Paul will come out and judge. Paul will say, "Ah, I hear there's division amongst you. Shame on all of you. He did not say, I cannot judge you. What you call division in Nigeria may not be division in America. You never can tell. Division depends on the reference which you are looking at it. What you call division here is unity somewhere else. (laughs) Let's not judge. Let's just go in agreement. He said, lie, lie. He told them where he heard the story from. So it's not gossip. I heard from the house of Chloe that there's division amongst you. Some of you are saying I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of uh, Apollos. Some say hey, I'm not of anybody. I'm only for Jesus. The rest of you go to that side. They began. It uh, was judging them. In quote, the way we call it judging. He saw a young man. He said, ah, I hear your girlfriend used to belong to your father, and the rest of you are not even ashamed of it. So they cannot kind of sin that we don't even hear amongst the Gentiles. And you are here feeling very happy. He put them in order. He taught people how. He said, if you see any man that is behaving like this, don't associate with him. <laughs> people now want you to tolerate every kind of nonsense. Said, you cannot judge. You can judge, please, my brethren, in that area. What Jesus said as not judging is, do not pass a condemning judgment. Don't say to somebody, all oh, my enemies, die. That's what he said that was what he said don't say any power all the people in the other compound they don't like us, Holy Ghost, fire that was what he said you should not do did he not say they tested an apostle and found him to be false yes, sir. tell me I can't judge For this my age I can't judge some things how will I lead my children tell my children don't worry you. don't judge you don't judge, if they are kidnapping people in the boot, don't judge them, they just want to help you <laughs> Rubbish and nonsense. <laughs> Let's understand what the Bible calls judging. Basically, what Jesus was saying, listen, is this. You know, don't pass evil condemnation on people. Are you getting my point? Have mercy on people. That's what he was saying. He that shows mercy will obtain mercy. That's the opposite of judging. It doesn't mean that you should be gullible. Every prophet that comes and says, you know, by now you should be hard, self, And God, Jesus will be on your side. Yeah. Yeah. So today God spoke to me, said, Pastor, we hear it every day. God is only speaking to them. At the end of the day, God only seems to know about our money. <laughs> God spoke to me that 50 people today are going to give 100,000 naira each. God has never spoken to you, sir, that 10 of us are adulterers in this place. With all your prophetic unction, you've never come to tell us. As I was coming, the Holy Spirit said there are two thieves in this place that He will catch today. Then church go empty. You know now. <laughs> <laughs> Every man go wrong. He said, "Ah, Pastor Kamboti, I've heard. I got the vision now." <laughs> he said, "Which kind of vision?" <laughs> Sir, I beg, <laughs> you go there. Me the today <laughs> because you know now. <laughs> you know now." <laughs> Every time God is speaking to you, it is my market he's looking at. And God knows I'm a thief. He doesn't tell you that. God knows I cheat people. He doesn't say anything to you. When I put off my light, God knows who's inside the room. He doesn't tell you. He only tells you about my money. And you want me to believe you're a true prophet. Forget that. You, know, you are as false as I am. Two of us. <laughs> the Lord is good. No, really. What he was saying is this. Let's get it clear. The Lord was saying to them clearly, he said, you are, he said, I like this. You don't tolerate evil men. People who pervert the word of God, you don't tolerate them.